A pretty good crowd tonight. We're very glad that you're here. Bill mentioned our college students, and of course the freshmen uh, do not arrive really until uh, Saturday, but some have responsibilities with athletics and other things on campus, and several have already arrived, and we're thankful for that. It's good to see each of you here tonight, and especially that is the case if you're visiting with us. We want you to know how honored it is to be able to say hello to you and to be able to welcome you, and we want you to come back and be with us anytime you have an opportunity. According to Exodus chapter 21 and verse 12, the law of Moses provided the death penalty for the crime of murder. But this same law also provided protection for one who might accidentally take a life, or perhaps one took a life in self-defense. Now, when the children of Israel went into the land of Canaan, there were six cities that were appointed to which such people could flee for safety. These were called cities of refuge, according to Joshua chapter 20 and verse 2. And we ought not confuse uh, cities of refuge with what we're hearing on the news about sanctuary cities. Because believe me, they're nothing at all alike. And we need to understand that. But Joshua calls these the cities of refuge. And these six cities were situated so that ready access could be provided to any one of them by the children of Israel. Now, on the west side of the Jordan, there was Kadesh in the north, there was Shechem in the center, there was Hebron to the south. On the east side of the Jordan, there was Golan to the north, there was Ramoth in the center, there was Bezer in the south. And anybody anywhere in the land of Israel could hardly be more than 30 miles from one of these cities of refuge to which he could flee for safety while waiting for trial. Now, I want us to realize tonight in Hebrews 10 and verse 1 that the Bible says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things... Now, we need to understand tonight that there are many things in the law of Moses that simply foreshadowed, it typified what was to come under the New Testament dispensation. For example, the tabernacle and later the temple was a shadow of the church. We know that Adam was a shadow of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 22. The Sabbath was a shadow of heaven, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3. The Passover and many of those animal sacrifices that were offered were simply shadows, typifying the one perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which would ultimately be given for us on Calvary's cross in Hebrews chapter 9. Now, I want us to understand tonight in a very similar way that these cities of refuge were shadows of the church. Now, what I want you to really understand tonight and take note of is that the naming of these cities is of great importance because the name of these cities actually signify the substance which is 
the church. It hit me just a few minutes ago while we were singing that this might be a good kid scene card. We'll give each of the cities of refuge and we will give the meaning of their names. And certainly that has an application for us today in the church. And so let's notice briefly tonight, and I mean briefly, these six cities, their meanings and the application for us today in the Lord's church. First of all, I want us to think about the city of Kadesh, which means separate. It means set apart. It means holy. You know, Kadesh signifies or foreshadows, I believe, one of the great qualities in the church of our Lord. You see, the church is separate. The church is called out, if you please, of darkness into his marvelous light, 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. In fact, the word in the original language translated church literally means called out. You think about what Jesus said to his apostles in John chapter 15 and verse 19. He said, I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so we need to see tonight that as Kadesh was set apart, so are those in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, he said, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. When the Apostle Paul, directed by the Lord, wrote to the church of God, which is at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2, he told them that they were sanctified in Christ. Called to be saints. That word sanctified literally means set apart. The word saint means one who is set apart. So tonight, if you're a Christian, you are in fact a saint. You are set apart to do the work of of the Lord. And when people are sanctified, when they are set apart, they are added to the Lord's church, Acts 2 and verse 47, which is called out of the world and into his marvelous light. And so when one obeys the gospel, that act of baptism puts one into Christ, puts one into the church, And automatically that makes that person set apart to do the service of God. That's why Paul told Christians over in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 17, he said, Wherefore, come ye out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now we need to understand that the church today is set apart to do the work of God. And each of us individually as Christians, we have a great responsibility to understand that we have to be separate. We have to be distinct. We have to be holy. In fact, Romans 12 and verse 1 describes us as being a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We're admonished by John in 1 John 2 and verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, we are to be set apart. We are to be 
distinct. We are to be separate, distinct in regard to what we say and how we act and how we conduct ourselves. We're to be separate and distinct in regard to how we dress. We need to realize that society and culture does not determine for the Christian what is modest or immodest. Instead, we look into that perfect law of liberty. We look at God's word and we allow the principles of God's word to guide us in such a way so that we can make those decisions that are pleasing to him. And so tonight, we think about Kadesh, we need to realize that, that we're set apart. We are to be holy. We are to be that distinct people. And we are to be that city set on a hill, letting our light so shine before men that others would see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. And then tonight, in the second place, let me suggests that the city of Shechem means shoulder. It means support. Here we have presented a different aspect of the Lord's church. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about this when he wrote that young preacher Timothy, and he said in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, But if I tarry long, that you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God which is the church of the living God. And then notice what he says. It's the pillar and the ground for the truth. You see, the church today is to be the pillar of the truth. If the truth is going to be taught today, it's going to be the responsibility of the church to do so. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, John 17 and verse 17. And we know we have a responsibility to teach that truth to a lost and dying world, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You know, the Apostle Paul later wrote in Ephesians 3 and verse 10, to the intent that now under principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, it's through the church that the gospel is to be preached. The church is the support. It is the shoulder of the truth to a lost and dying world. And certainly there's going to be opposition. The Bible talks about how that the force of worldly wisdom will come against the church and against the truth. And of course, we're not saved by the wisdom of this world. We're saved by the truth of God's word. We're not saved by human philosophy and human doctrines and ideas. We're saved by the truth. Of the word of God. And of course the Bible talks about the forces of unbelief. That will come against the church as well. And yet we're admonished by Jude in chapter 1 and verse 3. To contend earnestly for the faith. That was once and finally delivered unto the saints. 
You know, those who are elders are particularly admonished and charged in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. The Bible says, holding fast the faithful word which he hath been taught, that he may with sound doctrine, healthy teaching, be able to exhort and convince the gainsayers. And so let's understand that just as Shechem means shoulder and support, the church has a great responsibility to be the pillar and ground for the truth today. We cannot compromise. We have to stand firmly and boldly for what is right, and we have to defend the truth regardless of the cost and regardless of the persecution that may come. And then you think about the city of Hebron, and it's really interesting that the word Hebron here means alliance. It means fellowship. Hebron portrays the wonderful aspect of both divine fellowship as well as the spiritual fellowship we enjoy as Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, when Paul wrote the Philippian church, he said in such a beautiful way in chapter 1 and verse 3, I thank my God always in every remembrance of you. He said, always in every prayer of mine for you, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, Paul was so thankful for those brethren. He was thankful for the support that they gave him. He was thankful for the work that they could be involved in together to advance the cause of Christ. It was a tie that was so strong it could not be broken. And that's the way it is with Christian fellowship. You know, in the early church, we have a wonderful example of this kind of fellowship. The Bible tells about those 3,000 that obeyed the gospel in Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The Bible says all who believed were together and they had all things in common. You know, I think about the ties of fellowship that bind us together here at this place. And how we ought to be thankful for the love that we have one toward another. Y'all wave those fans. I need to get some of that up here too. Y'all just keep waving a little harder. I know it's hot in here. Uh, This is better than going to the gym, I think. But anyhow. But, uh, you know, fellowship is something that is so very precious. And you folks are here tonight because you enjoy not only worshiping God, but being together as brothers and sisters in Christ. But keep in mind that this fellowship, this alliance, is not only with our fellow brethren, but it's with God as well. To the church at Corinth, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And we remember the words of 1 John 1 and verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, though, we lie and we do not the truth. But you see, as long as we have fellowship with God, walking in his light, we are cleansed continually by his blood. And you think about how precious that fellowship is. Being right with God means that we can be right with one another. And the ties of love that bind us together at God's people, particularly here in this place, is something that we ought to always treasure. And then there's the city of Bezer, which means enclosure or fortress. You know, Bezer indicates for the church both protection and strength. In our scripture reading tonight, We read Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 where Jesus promised to build his church. And we notice here the protection, the strength of the church when Jesus said the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. In Acts 2 and verse 47 when we read there how that the Lord added to the church daily. We have a figure here of an enclosure in which those who are saved are in the protection of Jesus Christ. You know, with this idea of a fortress in mind, this idea of protection in mind, we think about the appropriate words of the Apostle Paul who said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's why Paul could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4 and verse 13. You know, the Lord has promised to be with his people. The Lord has promised to give us the strength and the protection that we need. That's why Paul could say, and we can say with him and The words of Romans 8 and verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so here again, we see this picture when we look at this city of refuge called Bezer. We see the church as an enclosure, as a fortress in which the Lord protects. The fifth city, though, is the city of Ramoth. And literally, it means elevation. It means high Place. And of course, the meaning of Ramoth here indicates the lofty position of the church, the Lord's holy hill, Psalms chapter 2 and verse 6. You know, the Apostle Paul writes very beautifully about the church being the bride of Christ, the church being the wife of our Lord. And think about the high place that that really emphasizes. As Ephesians 5 and verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You see, the church is elevated to a high place because she is the bride of Christ. That body that was purchased with his own blood. And those of us today who are in the church of our Lord, we have been highly exalted. We are in a high place, not because of who we are, 
but because of whose we are. Jesus said, whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And whosoever shall humble himself shall be exalted. You see, when we through faith and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we become members of that blood-bought institution, we are exalted. We are a part of that high and elevated position of being a part of the bride of Christ. There isn't a greater honor that could be bestowed upon any individual than to be a member of the church of our Lord, the bride of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then lastly, quickly, there is the city of Golan, which means passageway or circle. Golan here signifies a complete way. It signifies a, an accessible passage. It reminds us of the words of Jesus who said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I think the Apostle Paul pictured this aspect of the church when he wrote that Jesus is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. You see, it's through the church and because Jesus gave himself for the church that we have an accessible passageway to heaven when this life is over. That's why we're warned by our Lord in Matthew 7 and verse 14. Enter ye into the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. You see, that individual that seeks to serve the Lord, that individual who seeks to reach heaven through Jesus Christ, will live in that church, the body of the saved, which is the passageway. The church is the house of God, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And the church which Jesus built, the church which he purchased with his own blood, is that gate of heaven through which all of us must, must pass if we would ultimately reach our eternal home in heaven. I wish we had a lot more time tonight to, to go into more detail about the meanings of, of these cities and the application for us today as members of the Lord's Church in 2015. But I hope tonight we'll see our own personal responsibility as we are members of that church. Young and old alike, we need to realize that we are to be that which is holy and set apart. We are a part of that which is the support for the truth. We enjoy a fellowship of believers and fellowship with God. And we have a position that is to be highly exalted. And by being in the church, we are blessed to be in the body of the saved that ultimately one day will be delivered up to the Father. I hope tonight you are a member of the church. Maybe you're not. You may need to come and, and do what the Lord said you must do to...
become a member of that church by obeying the gospel. Your faith can lead you to repent of your sins, give your life to the Lord. You can confess Jesus as being the Son of God, and tonight you can be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. The Lord will automatically add you to his church, and you can know the blessings of being a part of the church for which Jesus died. Tonight, if you need to respond for any reason, we ask that you